Welcome to the City Light Podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online at citylightchurch.com. Today, we're continuing our series called Talking Points. With the presidential election right around the corner, it seems to be causing more division and more anger than ever before. So the question must be asked, how do we disagree politically, but love unconditionally? Let's find out how we can achieve this together and not let the political landscape divide us. Thank you for spending time with us today, and we hope you enjoy the message from the series Talking Points. We are in week three of our series that we are calling Talking Points, and we're calling it the perfect blend between politics and religion, and we will see how perfect it is. And and just so you know, this series is designed to to make us feel a little uncomfortable, okay? Uh, This series is designed for that, but hopefully it will make us better on the tail end of everything. Uh, Because here's the deal, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, this is a hot topic right now. And I believe that the church should be the safest place on the planet to talk about some hot topic issues. And I believe, I think that the church should be the safest place to talk about politics, even though we don't really talk about it that, mu- that much in church. So we need to have a safe environment. We can talk about it. We can look at what God's word says, and we can do it in a really, really good way. And so, and so our whole idea with this whole series is that we want to make sure that this is a safe place, that, that we are, are, are not judging each other based on your political point of view, but we are looking at God's word, and we are wanting to dig into this. And so if you're here today, and And if you're a Jesus follower, let me say this, if you're not a Jesus follower today and you're watching online or you're here with us, um, you can sit on the sidelines for this message. You can watch, you can observe. This may be not really towards you that much uh, because here's the deal. Uh, I believe that if the church did really well what I'm about to talk to you about today, that maybe you would want to be a Jesus follower. Uh, I believe that if the church did really well in this area Maybe you wouldn't have walked away from your faith at one point or another, and you'd actually want to be a Jesus follower again. And so, so if you're not a Jesus follower, don't tune me out today, but I'd love for you to listen, observe, and see what we're aspiring to be through what God's Word says. Now, if you're a Jesus follower in this place, you know, listen, our, our whole idea, our whole, our whole goal for this message is to really begin to ask us, can we really do something where we are willing to put our faith filter ahead of our political filter. Like, like that's the goal of this series. That's the goal of what God's word begins to talk about. Can we do that? Are we willing to put our faith filter in front of, ahead of our political filter? Because we all have a political filter. But if you're a Jesus follower in this place, I believe that Jesus is calling us to be a Christ follower first and then a Republican, a Democrat, Independent, you know, whatever else you are, second. That we, our goal as Jesus followers is to put that faith filter first. And so that is our whole goal because here's the deal. When we do that, when we put our faith filter first, more, than, more often than none, it is going to create space between you and the political party that you identify with. It's going to create space with the political candidate that they have and some of the platforms that they may even have. It doesn't matter, both sides of the aisle. Because here's the deal, the, 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 the kingdom of God and what Jesus has is never going to line up perfectly with any political party. So we have to come to a place where we say, all right, 
you know, I, I am putting my faith filter first and, and I want to make sure that I'm following Jesus above anything and everything else. And we talked about this last week and in, in, in the New Testament, Jesus is having a little uh, last supper with his disciples and he has a prayer for them. He gives them a prayer. We talked about this last week, if you're with us, but his whole prayer was that we as a church would be one, that we would not be divided, we wouldn't be at each other, we wouldn't be angry and just mad at each other and divided over political stuff or any other topic that's out there, that we would be one in this whole thing. And I was thinking about this, you know, growing up, I don't know about you guys, but growing up when I was like 12 to maybe 15 before I could drive and have my own car, uh, my friends and I, we loved to go to the roller skating rink. How many of y'all ever went to the roller skating rink when you were younger? I mean, that was the place to go back in the day. Like, that's where we, our friends and I, we all would go. And, and I loved, I wasn't very good at roller skating. I never got it really good. Like, like I, I, if I got going, I could not break at all. And so if somebody stopped in front of me or somebody fell in front of me, I was plowing them over. Like, I just couldn't stop. I don't know about you, but I tried that little thing with the toe drag. I couldn't do it, you know? Like, I just couldn't do it. And um, there was, I, I plowed over plenty of little kids in my day. So I'm not happy to say that, but when I was younger, like, it was just like, oh my gosh, you fell in front of me. We're both going down on this one. Like, it just happened. But at the skating rink, I used to, you know, be there with my friends all the time, and I used to always remember that they would play music while you're going around in the circle. But then there was sometimes the DJ, you know, he would get on the mic and he would say, okay, you know, you know, this next song is for couples only. Couples only. Couples, come on, grab your significant other and get on the, the, the floor. And, and all my friends and I, we were like, couples only skate? Like, that's not us. And so we had to go sit on the sidelines and wait. And then they would play some song by like Paula Abdul or somebody and everybody would be in love, going in circles, holding hands. And it would be a couples only skate. But then after that song was over, the DJ would get back on and say, okay, it's time for an all skate, all skate. So if it doesn't matter who you are, all skate, everybody back on the floor. And all skate meant doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter if you're good, you're bad, doesn't matter if you have a couple, if you're single, doesn't matter what's going on, everybody can come back on the roller skating rink and go around the circle. And I was thinking about that because listen, what Jesus talks about, if you're a Jesus follower in this place, what he's talking about, what we're talking about today, it's an all skate. It's for everybody who calls themselves Jesus followers. This isn't for the super spiritual. This isn't for pastors. This isn't for just certain people. This is for anybody who calls himself a Jesus follower. This is an all skate kind of a moment for us. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 17. He said, this is what my, my prayer is not for just them alone, meaning his disciples. He goes, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That, in, that, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He says, listen, he goes, my prayer is that the church, not only just my disciples, but the future church would be one, that they would be one together. They wouldn't let anything divide them. And I think the enemy knows that and he wants to divide the church on so many silly topics. And so through Jesus, here's what we can figure out. That I said this last week, but it's so good, that we can learn to disagree politically, 
but we can love unconditionally. We may, we may disagree politically on some issues, but we have to learn to love each other unconditionally. And I think that through the words of Jesus that we can do this, that we can absolutely do this. Now, what's interesting is that in the first century when Jesus was on the earth, they did something that a lot of us do today. It doesn't matter who you are, a lot of us do today. And that is that everybody wanted Jesus on their side. Everybody wanted Jesus on their side. Everybody thought that Jesus would have their point of view, that would have their viewpoint, and that is true today. And today, you know, both political parties are convinced that if Jesus was walking on the earth today, he would be a part of their political party. Like, it's just funny when you talk to people on both sides of the aisle, they are convinced. If you're a Republican, you're like, oh, absolutely, Jesus would be a Republican today. Absolutely. If you're a Democrat, you're like, oh, my goodness, are you serious? Yeah, Jesus would be a Democrat. Like, like both sides are, like, absolutely convinced that Jesus would be on their point of view when it comes to the political spectrum. And it's so funny because we, we have that, and I believe that if you take some of the words of Jesus and take them and cherry pick some things that you can find, you can craft a sermon that supports both political parties. You can, you can find a sermon and some, based on some of the things that Jesus said that would point out some of the views from the Republican Party, some of the views from the Democratic Party. You could come up with that message and you may say, oh my goodness, see, see, look at Jesus. He's, he's so red He's so red. Or you may say, look, look, he's so blue. He's so blue. And I, and I love this. It's amazing how often he agrees with you. Like, we live, we live that life, don't we? It's like, wow, he, it's amazing. Jesus agrees with my point of view. And it's funny because both sides quote Jesus. Both sides quote the Bible. But, but, but here's the thing. When we actually uh, put our, our political filter in front of our faith filter, like all of a sudden we can make Jesus, make the Bible say whatever we want it to say. But that's why we have to come to a point where we say, no, 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 no. I'm not putting my, my political filter in the front. I'm, I'm letting the words of Jesus speak to me. And I'm, letting, I'm taking the whole counsel of what he said, not just cherry picking a few things here or there. And I'm letting the words of Jesus speak to me and, and let him actually do a work in me. I love what this pastor said, this great pastor named Tony Evans. He, he's in from Dallas, Texas. He said this one time. He said, Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. Like, 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 like Jesus didn't come to take a side on political things and other ideas. Like he came to take over. And that is so true because, listen, the, the, Jesus came to present to us the values and the principles of the kingdom of God. And in this kingdom, the king laid his life down for his subjects. Different than any other kingdom that you could ever see in all of humanity. And here's the deal, though. There, like I said earlier, there, in God's kingdom, in his point of view, like, like they're never going to line up exactly with man's kingdom. Like the kingdom of God is never going to be in step with God, God, man's kingdom, there's always going to be some rub. There's always going to be some differences. And that's why God is like, listen, I'm bringing my kingdom to the forefront. I want you to see what my kingdom is all about. And here's the deal. Your political party, 
your political viewpoint, the things that you're passionate about, at times will not be lock in step with the kingdom of God. Our political parties, our political point of views, they come and they go, but God's kingdom lasts and stands forever. And Jesus wanted us to understand that. He wanted us to understand that, listen, there's no political party that's going to line up perfectly with the kingdom values of Jesus. And that is why we have to admit, okay, what I believe, what I see, it may not be perfect. There may be some flaws here. And I want to get closer to Jesus. I want to learn what his viewpoint is on all of these subjects that are so important to our world today and important to us. And that's why I believe it is so foolish to allow ourselves ever as a church and as the church globally to ever be divided over a political party, a political system, or a political candidate. So today I'm going to do my very, very best to navigate through some of this stuff to help us learn how we can navigate through some of the crazy times that we're all in. Because I think somebody said we got like nine or ten days before the election. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait for it to be over with and the ads to stop in Jesus' name. It's like my son is like, what's going on, Dad? It's just Biden and Trump commercials all the time. Like, I'm like, yeah, we just mute those now. It's okay. It's all right. But uh, I'm going to do my best today to navigate through everything. And so the Apostle Paul, who we talk about a lot, uh, who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, who a lot of you have heard of, and the Apostle Paul was a brilliant man. He, he actually hated Christianity at first in his, in his life, but then he had encountered God and encountered Jesus, and it totally changed him from the inside out. Like it, it gave him a new perspective on life, and it just totally revolutionized him. But, but the Apostle Paul, in two of his letters that he wrote that we call books now in the Bible, uh, actually he gives us a phrase that I believe is a great starting point as we navigate through these crazy times. And it's a phrase that maybe you've never seen before in the Bible because he only uses it twice. But I think it's something that we can understand and that we understand how it was put into practice that it can change not only our hearts, but it can change an entire city. Paul uses this phrase that is really important. He says, he calls it the law of Christ. He uses it twice in the New Testament, the law of Christ. Now this is Paul's shorthand for, for something that Jesus said in the New, Te New Testament when he was at that last supper with his disciples. Jesus said, listen, I'm giving you a new command. It's, it's this new covenant command. I'm giving it to you. And we talked about this last week, but it's in John chapter 13. Jesus is with his disciples at the last supper. And he says, listen, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Again, this is an all-skate command that Jesus gave his followers. It's for everybody. It's not just for some people. It's not just for, it's for people that have been a Christian a long time. It's, if you call yourself a Jesus follower... This is a new covenant, new command that Jesus gave us that we're to live out in our life. And it is referred to and throughout the New Testament as the law of Christ. This is what God, Jesus came and gave us so that we could really understand what it means. That we're to love one another in the same way that Jesus has loved you and me. We're to love people in this way. 
So the Apostle Paul takes this idea and he pushes it through every single one of his letters. He talks about it twice specifically, but this is his kind of his, his, his unifying command that he gives the early church that they can rally behind that, man, we, we're going to love one another as much as Jesus has loved us. And this is how the world's going to know that there's something different about us. In 1 Corinthians, he begins to use this term. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul says this. I'm going to break this down for you. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So Paul's saying, listen, I'm on a mission. I want to see people get saved. I want to see people come to know Jesus. Like, I, I can't stop what I'm doing. I don't know how much time I have left on this earth. And I am on a mission to reach people as many as I can. And in verse 21, he says, to those not having the law. Now, he's not talking about the law of Christ. He's actually talking about the law of Moses here, which is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And the people that would not have this would be people who are not Jewish people, which we call Gentile people. So Paul's saying, listen, I, you know, I'm going to these people. And he goes, I have become like one not having the law. So he's saying, he goes, listen, I've become like a Gentile so I can reach Gentile people. And then he says this, he goes, though, he goes, I, I am not free from God's law, meaning he's like, wait, wait, wait. He's not talking about the Torah. He's saying, listen, I am, I am still under the authority of God. He says, I, I'm not under the Torah anymore. I'm free from that. He goes, but I am under God's authority. And then he says this, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. He's saying, listen, I'm under God's authority first. But I'm also under Christ's law, the law of Christ, to love one another as much as Jesus has loved me. Because I'm, I'm living by that in my life. Because so I can reach people from far and wide that they may know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. In Galatians chapter 6, he, he mentions it again. He says this, he goes, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so he says, listen, when you see somebody and they have a burden, they're, they're going through a difficult time. He goes, it's not a time for us to turn a deaf ear, to look away, but to help carry each other's burdens. Be there for one another. And he says, and when you do this, you're fulfilling the law of Christ Jesus. That's what we're doing. So again, if you're a Christian, you call yourself a Jesus follower. This is our marching orders. This is what Jesus, the command he gives us, not to just come and play church and show up, but man, we're to love people, love one another as much as Jesus has loved us. And so what happens is when all of a sudden we begin to understand the law of Christ and we let it seep into our hearts and we say, okay, God, here I am. Like, I, wanna, I want your command. I want this new covenant command inside of me. I want to live this out in my life, eventually what happens is it kind of seeps in to our conscience. It begins to seep down eventually and impact how we see the world and how we see different things that are going on in our world. Our conscience should be hardwired to the law of Christ so that when we see something or do something that is contrary to the law of Christ, like the alarm should start going off inside of us. Like that's, something should bother us because, listen, this doesn't line up with the law of Christ. When I see 
injustices in our world, when I see people taken advantage of and disrespected, something should go alarm, go off on the inside of us. When we see something, we should get disturbed and irritated and convicted at some of these things because, man, this is, this is not right. This isn't good. This isn't what the law of Christ demands us as Jesus followers to live out in our life. When we see children who are hurting and abused in our world today. Alarms should be going off. Man, that's not right. We need to step up. We need to do something. When we see drug and alcohol abuse and pornography addiction ruining marriages, man, alarms should go off inside of us and say, man, this isn't good. This isn't right. But just like if a fire alarm went off in your house, you're not just going to continue to sit there and watch TV. You're going to get up. You're going to go check it out. You may get your family, get out of the house because maybe there's a fire going on. Like, like when, we, when the alarms go off on side of us, it must move us to action. We can't just sit on the sidelines and say, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, that's really bad. You know, that stinks. But I'm just going to keep living my life and not even worry about it. That is not what the law of Christ commands us. Love demands action. Love demands saying, whoa, there's something not right here. And I need to step up. I need to do something. I, need to, can't, I can't just talk about the problems in our world. I can't just talk about the problems in the church. I, mean, I need to be moved to action to say, here I am. What can I do? What can I be a part of? So that's why I say, man, this isn't a series that say, you know, don't vote or anything. No, please vote. Be a part of the process. You know, and if God ever calls you to run for something locally, man, do that. Obey God's command in it. But we can't just sit on the sideline and let the things of our world just kind of ruin themselves and things that divide us in our church. We need to take action and say, okay, God, here I am. I want, I want to move in, in a way that is, is showing the love of Christ and the law of Christ to everybody that I encounter. Let me give you some real examples of this that actually happened back in history. This idea of the law of Christ began to shape Western civilization, actually. You can look through history books and actually begin to see that the teachings of Jesus actually shaped a lot of Western culture. But a long time ago, in, in, back in ancient Rome, you know, the, 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 all over the world and in every village, every city... They had a belief, and nobody questioned it. Like, there were some things back in the day that people just kind of went along with and said, yep, that's right, you know, this is, this, this is normal. You know, nobody questioned it. And back a long time ago in ancient Rome, there was a belief that, that people should be owned and controlled by other people. That, that slavery was normal. It was, it was good. It was actually good for society. That it was a, actually a normal thing. And this belief was unquestioned. It was just like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we do. That's normal. And this wasn't a moral issue. It was just the way it was. In fact, in the 4th century B.C., before Jesus, Aristotle, the very famous Greek philosopher, he even wrote this. He said this. For that some should rule and others be ruled is a thing not only necessary but expedient. He's saying, listen, slavery, he goes, it's not just something that's necessary. It's beneficial to our society. Like, like, like this is good. This is a good thing for us. Like, I don't know how we could survive in our society without slavery. And he says, from the hour of their birth, some were marked for subjection and others for rule. 
This is Aristotle. I mean, in, in college classrooms, they hold this guy up and talk about some of the philosophies and things that, that he talked about uh, back in the day. And yet he had a belief that, yes, yeah, slavery, uh, yeah, it's fine. Absolutely, it's beneficial to, to society. But it wasn't until the fourth century A.D., after Jesus came onto the earth, where all of a sudden Christian be Christianity began to sweep across the Roman Empire and Christianity began to get into the hearts of the people. It wasn't until St. Augustine, a, a, a bishop in the fourth century, said, wait, 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 slavery is not a good thing. Slavery is a result of sin. Like, this is not a good thing. The law of Christ demands us as Jesus followers to love people as much as Jesus has loved us. These people are made in the image of God and this is not a good thing. And all of a sudden the law of Christ began to sweep across the Roman Empire and things began to change. All of a sudden slavery said, wait, people started waking up and said, wow, you're right. Maybe this isn't good. Maybe we should begin to change some things. And St. Augustine said, let's look at what God's word actually says. And it crept and the word of God got into the hearts of people. And then the Roman Empire began to shift and change on their view of slavery because all of a sudden the law of Christ, what God's teachings, what the teachings of Jesus got into the hearts of people and it changed the society. It changed what they were doing. And later on, another instance that happened was that back in, in ancient Rome again, that, that it was normal for people to do something called infanticide. And they thought it was good for their society. Now you may even know, don't know what that even means, infanticide. But it was the practice where, where if somebody had a child, and they didn't want the child, for whatever reason, within a year after that kid was born, the parents could take the child and, and leave it outside the, the city walls. They could leave it by a river. They could leave it out in the, the edge of the, the forest. And this was, this was legal. They could do this. It wasn't a crime to do this. Like they said, listen, if, we, if you don't want the kid, like if you wanted a boy and you had a girl, you could do this. If your child was deformed and, and you didn't want to take care of it, you could do this. And everybody thought this was good. This was a good practice. Like this is okay. Society accepted it. And all of a sudden people that were in the church all of a sudden, wait a second, this isn't a good thing. This is actually a horrible thing. And the Christianity and the church people, Jesus' followers from the very beginning condemned this practice and said, wait, this is not a good thing. We need to do something. And Christians would go all throughout the cities and villages and they would look for these children in the forests and by the river and they would take these children into their homes and they would raise these kids as their very own children. Even though they didn't have a lot of money, they didn't have a lot of food, they said, listen, we need to do something. And it's interesting because, you know, why did they do this? Why did the early Christians do this? Like, it's not, there's nothing specifically in the Bible that says you need to do this. There's no scripture that says you need to actually go and find a child that's by a forest and take it into your home. But it's because love demanded it. The law of Christ demanded it, that, that we're to love one another as, as the same way that Jesus has loved us. And it's so interesting, too, because all of a sudden, again, the, the teachings of Jesus started to impact the conscience of the Roman Empire. And in the year 318, after embracing Christianity, Emperor Constantine declared infanticide a crime. 
He's like, wait a second, you're right. This is horrible. They embraced Christianity. They embraced the law of Christ. They embraced what Jesus' word said. And they all of a sudden said, wait a second, we can't do this anymore. What were we thinking? Like that, that little child is made in the image of God and we can't allow this. And they made it an actual crime. And it became a conscious issue because of what Jesus said and what Jesus taught. So when the church of Jesus Christ comes together in unity and we've set aside our political differences and our political thoughts and we say, you know what, what does Jesus teach? What does Jesus command of us as Jesus followers? It has the power to change a village, has the power to change a city, has the power to change a city and a society when the church remains united. That's why the church is so important. The church is so important and we can't let ourselves get divided ever over political parties, over political candidates, and over political platforms that'll be here one day and gone the next. We have to allow the law of Christ into our hearts and let it affect our conscience. And all of a sudden, let us be united as one and make a difference in the world and the environment that we're in so that God's word can actually be, be powerful in the work of our cities and our villages and our areas because that is how good God is. Now, you may be thinking, you know, hey, well, Pastor, that all sounds great and all, but, you know, I got some friends that I know they love Jesus. They're amazing people. But they vote so differently than me, and I just don't understand them. Like, like, ah, oh, man, this is hard to navigate through this time. We start talking, it ends in a fight, you know. Like, I just don't understand why they see what they see. I don't understand why they vote the way that they vote. I just don't get it. But if you're taking notes today, I'd love for you to write this one phrase down because I think it's really powerful. And that is simply this. Where you stand depends on where you sit. Where you stand depends on where you sit. Let me explain. Where you take a stand, where you take a stand maybe politically or a stand for something that you're passionate about, it depends on where you're coming from and where you sit, where you're coming from. Because here's the deal. Each of us are so different. Each of us have come from, from a different place in life. Each of us has a different environment that we grew up in. We all have different parents that taught us different things. Some of us grew up rich. Some of us grew up poor. Some of us grew up white. Some of us grew up black. Some of us grew up in the city. Some of us grew up in the suburbs. We all have these differences and we can see things differently because of the environment that we're coming out of. So we all have, we see things differently. You may not understand why somebody sees something different than you do, but listen, we all take a stand based on where we're coming from, based on where we sit. So how do we find unity when we're all coming from so many different places, so many different backgrounds, so many different ideologies, so many different worldviews? How do we find unity in the church in spite of all these things? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, three quick things. We got to listen. We gotta listen to each other. I encourage you, listen to people who don't experience the world the way you do. There are so many amazing people in this church, so many different people in your neighborhoods and at your workplace, and there's so many different people that are experiencing life and have experienced in life completely different than you. And we have to be people 
who are open and say, man, tell me about that. Why, why, do, you, why do you see it this way? Help me. Like, I want to listen. I want, I want to listen to your story. I want to listen to how you grew up. I want to listen. We have to be able to listen. I feel like listening, we've lost the art of listening in our society today. We're just so ready to give our point of view and tell them why they're wrong. But if you just sit there and listen for a second, maybe, maybe your perspective will begin to change a little bit. Doesn't mean maybe your political party will change, but maybe you'll start to have empathy towards somebody else and say, wow, I can see that now. We have to be able to listen to each other, whether again, you're black or white, young or old, male, female, rich, poor, doesn't matter what you are. We gotta be able to listen to one another. Number two, if you're taking notes, how do we find unity in all this? We gotta learn from each other. We can't just listen. We gotta learn. We have, we have to learn. You know, we have to be a student, not just a critic. I don't know about you, but I'm a really good critic, especially on Sundays when the Lions are playing. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm a really good critic about one o'clock every Sunday. But it's, it's interesting because when we refuse to learn, when we refuse to, 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 to learn, especially you know, new information that may con- be a little bit contrary to our political view or our worldview and things that we think, but it's factual. If we refuse to learn, then we're gonna, we're gonna stop growing as individuals. We have to be able to say, you know what? I wanna listen to your story and I wanna learn from you. I wanna actually learn from what you're telling me. Because, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you're a Republican in this place, your Democrat brothers and sisters, they're not crazy. They're not crazy. If you're a Democrat in this place today, if you're watching online, your Republican brothers and sisters, they're not crazy either. They're not crazy. They're all taking a stand based on where they sit, where they're coming from. And we have to be able to listen to each other and learn and say, okay, why do you, why, why do you see it that way? And we have to learn from one another. Again, it may not change your political view, but again, it can give us perspective into someone else's life and say, you know what, I see it now. I can see it. Because here's the deal, whenever we get to the point where we say, I don't know how anybody could vote that way. Oh my goodness, like how in the world could anybody vote for that person? Oh my goodness. Like here's the deal, you're not, you're not confessing something about them, you're actually confessing something about you. You don't understand. You don't understand. It's not about them, it's that you don't get it. There's something that you need to learn still based on why they're the way that they are. They're voting the way that they are. They see things the way that they see. See, when we say, oh my goodness, like how in the world, I just, I just don't get it. I just don't understand. How could they ever see things that way? I, I just don't I, don't, I don't get it. Again, you're confessing something about you. You don't get it. And we have to be people who say, I'm not just gonna be a listener, but I'm gonna be a learner as well. And I'm gonna be able to go to somebody and say, tell me your story. Why do you see things this way? Let me learn from you. And hopefully they'll learn from you. And all of a sudden we can actually have, have, have a, a political disagreement, but we can love each other unconditionally because Jesus is the Lord of our lives, not a political party, but we can have empathy for one another. We can learn from one another and, and we can stay united based even though we have a different political point of view. But then the last thing is just simply this. We, we listen, we learn, but then 
we have to always remember that love needs to be central in all of our conversation and everything that we do. Please, please, please never burn a relational bridge over a political point of view. Please. I, I wrote this down. It's on the screen. The you beside you is more precious to God than your potentially flawed view. Like the you beside you, that person beside you is more precious to God than your potentially flawed political view in yourself. Because here's the deal, you know, we, we burn bridges right now in our society. I've, I've heard so many stories of people walking away from friendships because of a political view and who they're voting for and all this garbage. But please don't ever burn a bridge because of political views, because, because here's the deal. I'm sure over time, your political views have changed. I'm sure you don't see things the way you did when you were 18, when you were 22, when you were 30. Like, things change over time. And it's like political candidates, they come and they go. Party platforms change over time. And why in the world would we as a church, as Jesus followers, ever be divided over something that's so temporary? These political things are so temporary. We serve a God who is eternal. And, and we, that you next to you is somebody who Jesus came and died for. Died for it, just like he died for you and just like he died for me. So why in the world would we ever let a political view divide us from somebody who Jesus Christ loves and died for? See, I just believe that this is an all-skate kind of a message. This is an all-skate command from God to his followers that, listen, no matter who you are, no matter who you're going to vote for in a couple days, or maybe you already voted, but listen, we can't let this divide the church. We need to come together in the, the new covenant command of God, the law of Christ, to love one another the same way that Jesus has loved us. And when we do that, when the church is united in spite of political differences, the world will see that there's a God in heaven. Because, oh my goodness, the world is so divided, but yet the church can be united in all of this. And we let the word of God get into our conscience. It has the ability to change a culture, a nation. But the church can't be divided. It has to be together. Let's stand today as we close this message.